1: producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded they pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging By the time you receive this letter, I shall be in my final resting place. I bequeath you a magnificent ancestral home we call Chappawait. What do you think? Hardly know what to say myself.
0: Welcome to this special bonus episode of Australian True Crime. It's a bit of a cheeky one because it's not actually about Australian True Crime at all, but it is about something we thought you might be interested in, which is a new television adaptation of a Stephen King story. Chapel Wait is a new series now streaming exclusively on Stan, and it's based on Stephen King's short story, Jerusalem's Lot. It stars Adrian Brody and Emily Hampshire, who played Stevie on Shit's Creek. You can start your 30-day free trial today at stan.com.au and see all of Chapel There's a link in the show notes to this episode that'll take you right there. But be warned, it's very scary. Our guest for this special episode is
2: Justin Smith, journalist, author and commentator. He's a regular on Channel 7 Sunrise, Sky News and writes for the Herald Sun in Melbourne. Justin's a Stephen King fan, and he found King's book, called On Writing, to be an inspiration when he turned his hand to writing fiction. Justin's first novel is Babies of the Rose. Only I can save you.
1: I think one of the great things about Stephen King is you can come at him from different angles. You know, you can come in through the short stories, you can come in through the horror, you can come in through the thriller type one and it doesn't, he's the kind of guy, it doesn't matter how you get into him. You don't need somebody to say to you, Oh, if you haven't read this, then you haven't read Stephen King and blah, blah, blah. It's not like that. You can just get in, slide into him whenever you feel like it. And you can also slide out whenever you feel like it. I think he's that good at what he does. It just doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, you're so right. And I find that I often, you know, whenever I pick up a Stephen King book, I always say to myself, God, why aren't I reading Stephen King all the time? It's so great, you know, and then I forget about it for years on end. And and I don't know why I do that because he's prolific and he's just masterful I mean I never ever pick up a Stephen King Uh book and think to myself oh this one's not good this one's not great they're all so great
1: and and I think and he's been stamped with the horror thing so if people have read anything else they'd just say horror this and horror that but but he's far bigger than that because the writing is so clean and intelligent but it's also very human as well so he doesn't just say I'm going to show you a knife or, and a chainsaw, and and then I want you to be scared by it. It's always about how the the human saw the knife and the chainsaw and what that did to them. So that's just for the horror part of it. But he's got a, a sentimentality that he, everything he does, he looks at it from the human point of view, you know, the way it smells, the way it tastes, you know, all the tricks of a writer. But it, he he's always coming from the human angle. It's never just this uh blood and guts kind of mm-hmm you know, tacky sort of horror. There's always something human about it. Everything, and the humans, you know?
0: the humans are always really fallible and they're all looking at the situation through the filters of their own experience and their own yeah. failings and, and their own sort of sensitivities. But unlike his writing, the adaptations of his work have been very patchy. There are great adaptations yeah. and there are terrible adaptations and there are adaptations that are so bad that he personally has disowned them and he's fought with people who've adapted his work can you talk to us about some of the more famous or infamous adaptations of of his work that have gone before
1: yeah I mean for me I I would let's start down the bottom of the pit uh right down the bottom which is (laughs) a movie that he, he he wrote and then he He directed, which is, and for some reason I love it, and I think it's because there's some ACDC tracks in it, uh, because he was a fan of ACDC and they agreed to give him some songs. But there was a film called Maximum Overdrive. Uh It's the worst bloody film (laughs) that has ever been made in the history of the planet. My wedding video is more captivating gosh I don't even know it it's awful and what it is it's about um machines and it's got who's in it um oh Emilio Estevez in a particularly low point in his career uh took on this thing and it was about machines like cars and pinball (laughs) machines and anything that was a machine turning on their owners and getting them now if this if you think it sounds bad Mm. Brilliant. Times that by twenty, and that's how bad the film actually was. Mm-hmm. And King laughs about that because somebody said to him, "You know, like, oh, have you ever thought of directing a film?" And he says, "Look, are you kidding? Have you seen Maximum Overdrive? <laughs> have you seen that film and how bad it is?" And he says, "It's appalling." So and then let's go up the other end of the scale, and you've got Shawshank Redemption, oh, which um, it tops magical. the list of um, tops the list of so many people's uh, you know top three films. Mm you know, uh, you wouldn't have to stray too far before you find somebody saying how wonderful it is. Mm. Uh, And you've got (laughs) – and there's a – There's a great story that Stephen King tells about that where he said, Yeah, that's great. A a woman came up to me and said, Oh, you're Stephen King. She said, I don't really, I don't really like your kind of writing. Um, Don't take offense to this. I don't really like, you know, the ghouls and the the ghosts and things. I don't really like that. I like uplifting stories like Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) Have you seen that? (laughs)
2: How funny.
1: Um, So, and then you've got Green Mile, another one, which is. Just uh, is just absolutely superb, Uh, and uh, and then Christine's and Cujo's and those. I think they probably sit in the middle. But he's as far as adaptations go, he's had some triumphs, Mm. some absolute triumphs in there.
0: Well, the interesting one though for me is The Shining because The Shining is a you know so many people think is a triumph of a movie. I'm one of them. I love the movie. It's got a cult following like very few other films have ever enjoyed. And yet he hated it so much that he made a three-episode miniseries himself to kind of avenge it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, what? Why? Why did he hate that movie that so many of the of his audience of his fans think is? A stunning achievement.
1: Now, I think, I think the way the story goes is that he had, uh, he wrote it and he thought this will make a terrific film. He wrote a screenplay for it. And I th- think in between that at some point, Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick bought the rights to it mm. or got involved yeah. in the rights to it and said, oh, no, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I've, written, <laughs> mm. I've written a screenplay and then went ahead and made that. And I just don't think it was really what uh what king uh, seemed to have in mind um uh and that's where it all went to hell which i believe hollywood is about a great deal it's, is that writers well, have something they have a vision and it just doesn't does, doesn't come out
0: i guess it's always you know um it's tricky isn't it to hand over your work i mean you're both writers to the idea of handing over your work your vision to anybody else to turn into something to to turn into a visual creation mm. is is pretty yeah. scary, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, I
0: I
2: really love. For me. I love, um, you know, the film Stand By Me, being a child Mm. of the 80s, you know, Mm. I absolutely love that film and I never realised until after I'd seen it that that was based on a short story called The Body, a novella that Stephen King had done for a book, I think, different seasons. And so that's how I sort of um, probably had my entry to Stephen King um, as a reader because I actually love Stand By Me and I've watched it with my kids. It's a bit of a classic, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. But, Justin, you've had the experience recently of publishing your first novel. Yeah. I know that oh. you're working on another one. Yes. You very kindly gifted me this beautiful Stephen King book. And I'd say your writing is is very it's almost poetic and very emotive. And it's
1: oh, very kind.
2: And I know that you've mentioned that, you know, you drew a lot upon Stephen King's advice in this book for it. So what what did you what have you taken away from Stephen King for your own writing?
1: It's just a I mean, and the reason I gave you that as a gift is, is you said to me that, you know, you're keen on writing some fiction and, um, uh, and and I don't want to crush you too much. I've given this book to a couple of people actually. There's another person I gave. Oh,
2: Justin, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> I thought you were the
1: only one. That's from. But it's, um, the, what's, what's gorgeous about the book is he writes about what he loves about writing but he also goes through the process where he says, you know, I get up in the morning and I watch CNN for about half an hour. He says, because he's very political, he watches CNN for about half an hour, has breakfast, talks to his wife for a minute, and then he goes to his room with a pot of tea and writes for three and a half hours, nonstop. And King, I think King writes about six pages a day or something like, you know, that it, that's what he kind of aims for and then does nothing for the rest of the day, which sounds like a gorgeous uh, gorgeous kind of existence to me. But But in that, he... In that book, and I, look, anyone who's a King fan, you don't need to be interested in writing, but if you're a King fan, I think you should read it because he talks about, first of all, the magic of writing where he sort of goes in to describe, a, I think it's a pink rabbit and he writes about a pink rabbit and he says, now this is the date that I'm writing about this pink rabbit and he puts this date down from the 90s and he describes what it's like in his house and the the, the second he's sitting there and he said, but I don't know when you're reading this, but you're, you can now see the pink rabbit. And he said, that's kind of magic. And, and that's one of the great things about writing. It doesn't matter when I wrote it. It just matters when you, you read it. And he talks about things like uh, the plot. You know, he doesn't really have a plot in mind. The only thing he has in mind is, um, and this is something I've, I've really picked up on, is all he has is the idea and the characters to carry it out he doesn't say well this happens and then this happens and this happens he says i want to write about a car that's possessed by the devil and i want a young man and an old man to tell a story and then he starts writing and he's away and he he said if he's got a plot on how it's going to unfold that spoils the story for him and he will just sort of get bored with it because he already knows what's going to happen so that then that's how he writes now i think firstly you're, that's incredibly difficult and takes a lot of talent to be able to do that for him to do it so well but i just love that i, I just like the way that he's as he's writing it you can almost picture him saying well i don't know where this is going but <laughs> we'll stick around and we'll sort of do it together okay I, I like that i think any writer who can do that it's extraordinary it's
0: amazing so he, I guess, he must have to know his characters very well. I,
1: look, from what I can pick up from the book, I think he has a pretty clear idea in his head on how the character feels, and and I think isn't that you know if I met you, you two have worked together for a, a long time now, and and um, have done great things together, and if I were to take one of you away and then mention the other one, you and say, look, mm-hmm. before you. This is how it is for me. Before you even picture their face, or before you hear their voice, or you can describe something that they like, you have a feeling about that. You feel that person straight away, you know. And 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 I think that's what he's able to do. He, he has a feeling for that person, and then that feeling just goes through the book. Mm-hmm. And bless him for that, because I think anyone who's able to do that, you know, mm.
2: and that's and Justin, that's something I I got a sense of of reading your first book. Um, babies of the rose and you know you you've had a like a lifetime of getting a feel of people because you have a background in radio producing and media so tell us a bit about that and you know how you've come to I guess you know really have that feel for people that's what I got the sense of reading that oh
1: that's lovely and thank you I I I don't know I just um I wish I had a, a strong answer for it I I guess I just find people kind of just ridiculously fascinating you know, and, uh, and I, I, like, I like thinking what they're going to be thinking about something and, and why they, they would react to it. And, you know, it's the, it's the old one. I think it's a, more of a journalism mantra, but, you know, everyone's got a story. And if you can sort of create a character, then you, you, you try to understand what that story is. You know, I don't know if I'm answering that very well because I'm a little bit confused by it myself. To be honest i think I just find human reactions to things really fascinating and and the way that they do the way they do things why they do them and in journalism, I like to try to tap into that um as well and and with a with a with a fiction you know what it's like if you're reading a bad fiction and you just don't care about anybody, then you're not going to go very yeah. far with it. It's trying to about trying to find that link with somebody
0: no it's interesting i mean i i'd really like to write fiction too but i uh i do wonder how you sort of see all of those characters as individuals and i i find it fascinating how how anyone can do that and i have never read this book the um the stephen king manual on writing so i must do yeah. that
1: i oh, do it oh you'll love it you'll absolutely love it and I, I don't know I think the uh, the character thing I think i'm lucky in that regard that you, I get attached to the characters quite quickly and there was a character in the um, in the book Babies of the Rose and there's characters that I'm writing about right now that it's very difficult not you know i think' it's, it's very difficult to get away from them because they, they're sort of they're hanging around you, and whether you're a part of them or, or they're a part of you i'm not really quite sure but it, it's, it's sort of difficult. It's really difficult to get away from them. And you, you start thinking about them a lot, you know, and how they would react to things.
0: Yeah. What to do now? Watch Stan's brand-new horror series, Chapel Wait. You've heard why, and now you need to see it. It's based on the master of horror Stephen King's short story, Jerusalem's Lot. It's set in the 1850s when Captain Charles Boone, who's played by Academy Award winner Adrian Brody, relocates his family to his ancestral home, the infamous Chapel Wait, after his wife dies tragically at sea. But soon there are strange goings-on that can't be explained. Boone enlists the help of Rebecca Morgan to run the house, and that character's played by Shit's Creek star Emily Hampshire. Remember, she's Stevie in Shit's Creek. It's so great to see her again. The brand new horror series Chapelweight is now streaming only on Stan. You can start your 30-day free trial today at stan.com.au. It's a mark of the depth of Stephen King's characters that again here we have now a mini series and we were just talking about Stand by Me the film which is based on a short story but yeah. this is um Chapelwaite is a, a TV series based on a short story. So these Short stories have so much depth to them that filmmakers are able to yeah. create extended pieces of drama out of his short stories. And, in fact, uh, I've not seen all of – I've not even read the short story that this is based on, Chapel Waite, but, um, you know, I know that they've they've used it sort of as a jumping off point. I guess he's given them permission to extend their imaginations beyond – his original story and they've used it as a jumping off point and they've sort of added to it. And, you know, that just gives you an indication of how much he, he can kind of pack into a short story, doesn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, it does. It it does. And I, I think for him too, uh, you're quite right. The shorter ones seem to be better. I think probably some of those bigger novels, there's just so much in there that it's, it's difficult to, um, and look, I think one of those bigger novels. If it's one of these bigger novels, and you've read it and you love it, the chances of them of being able to make one single movie that satisfies you from everything in that book is small. But the but when you do it with a short story, he can, he packs a wallop in those short stories. Yeah, I'm he sort does. of surprised that he um, that he's able to write those those whoppers as well. You know those big thick ones of his because he does the short story so incredibly well
0: and this one jerusalem's lot has those classic themes that he loves to talk about we're talking about a family with a curse
1: yes he loves a curse he loves a curse yeah he
0: loves a curse but he also loves that emotional territory of grief of longing plumbing the depths of love that can never be recaptured all of those really deep emotional levels it's all in here
1: yep Yep.
0: Oh, pain.
1: Yep, he loves pain.
0: And children in pain. We've got children in pain in this one. Loves that. He
1: loves pain. He, he's very big on pain. Look, can you indulge me in just for just half a second? Because my, my second favourite book of his is um, The Dead Zone, which um, is about a guy who uh, is in a car crash and he goes into a coma and he wakes up and he comes out and he has psychic powers. And for me, there's just one little one very short passage in here that just sums up King's writing, and this is the character Johnny as he wakes up out of, um, sounds like bedtime with Justin, doesn't it? Everyone sit around and I'll read you a quick story. But he, but he, Johnny wakes up out of the, just out of the coma, where he doesn't know what is going on, uh, but he feels that he has these powers and, and King writes this. That was all he had time to think before his mother's arms were around him her violet sachet strong in his nostrils and she was whispering thank god johnny thank god thank god you're awake he hugged her as best he could his arms still had no power and no grip and fell away quickly and suddenly in six seconds he knew how it was with her what she thought and what was going to happen to her and then it was gone fading like a dream in a dark corridor that, I mean that's just got everything, hasn't it? It's got smells and it's got images and, and it's got desperation and the whole bit. And we can feel it. We can
0: feel what it feels what that hug feels like for him. That, what it feels like when you have no power in your limbs and that the, the discovery of having no power in your limbs. It, it, you're right, it's so evocative.
1: Yeah, he's great. He's just so good at that. and, um, and I think and the other one, the, the, my favorite book of all is actually the kid's book that he wrote. And when I say kids, probably more young, like teenage book, but the book called The Eyes of the Dragon, uh, which is a real once upon a time book. You know, once upon a time there was a kingdom and in that kingdom was, and it sort of starts like that. But it's bloody fantastic. You know, it's just, and I wouldn't normally gravitate to a a dragon-y kind of book, but the way he's done it is just so simple and, you know, sit down because I'm going to tell you a story kind of feel. I just love it, and uh, I and I think again, it comes back to to. It doesn't matter how you get to him, if you can get to him, try and do it.
2: Yeah, I think his movies are great for that as well. Like you know, I mean, with Misery, which God, I absolutely love that film. It's so good. I saw it at the cinemas when I was year eight, so I, I don't know, I was probably fourteen or something. But I am um, I'm going to show that to my daughters because it's you know they're at their the age where they can sort of take a yeah, bit of that.
1: They can take a bit of hobbling.
2: Yeah, a bit of a bit yeah. of hobbling and a bit of. But I just feel like that's a thing. You know, often we say, oh, the the movie's not as good as the book, and Often that's true, but I think movies can be such a great entry point to go back to a book and encourage reading. And for for me, that's exactly how I came across Stephen King, Um, you know, whereas I know that there's people who've just gone hardcore into his, um, his books.
0: Yeah. And as we were saying, if there are good movies and, and good sort of representations of his work, they're very good. But then also, you know, things like The Shining, I mean, it's become law. There's Stephen King law. His career is so long. It's like you have to you have to see the good with the bad and see, see the things that he liked and didn't like and kind of take it all in. And for me, part of it is the fact that he's still passionate about his work. You know, it's he's a guy who obviously never has to work again. Yeah. But he still clearly loves writing. Doesn't he, Justin?
1: He does. And uh, there's some great interviews around uh, with Stephen King talking about these things. And, uh, he, the passion that he's got for sticking one word after another and trying to make it as good as possible and getting that, you know, that, that, that elusive white whale Mm -hmm. in writing, which is the perfect sentence. Mm -hmm. You know, he's still a person that's, that strives for that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and I look, I love him for that. And I, I think uh, he, people like he and J.K. Rowling, and and uh, you know, they've just yeah. they've made they've made writing they've kept writing as a as a strong medium. You know, they just haven't let that by making it popular. And I and I think sort of calling them popular almost sounds like an insult, but I don't think it should be. You know, they've they've made writing uh, and reading rather they've made it you know, fun for different ages and different people. have kept them interested and excited. And I think, you know, we owe, we owe him a, a real debt for that, I think.
2: Yeah, and he's like um, for horror writers, you know. I know that he spans different, you know, subgenres and stuff. But for horror writers, I mean, he is beloved and and idolized, and I just think he's done so much for that genre. But also, he's taken inspiration himself from,
1: yeah, you know, yeah. other writers and with who've that gone horror too. That, you know, I think you know, like I was saying, that he's he's so sentimental, but he writes a good sex scene, and I think that's very tough. Uh, but he writes. He write, He writes a good shag, mm. and and he he uh, he swears beautifully. He's also a beautiful swearer, and mm. I think that you know those things are sort of tough to pull off and still sound real. Um, mm. but he's but he's able to mm. do that. You probably hadn't good thought points. He probably didn't think we were going yes. to talk about shagging uh, and well, Stephen.
0: No, no, but it, it, I'm glad we are because um I often wonder how how you write a sex scene. I mean, I. Like, have you written any in your books? I think I would find them, I'd find them really hard to to write because I think when my friends are reading them, I'd like, that's what I'd be thinking when I'm writing them. Oh God, how embarrassing. Emily's going to read this and and, and (laughs) Justin's going to read this and Matthew's going to read this and like all my friends, I'd be just imagining them and thinking, oh God, this is like, oh, they're going to think, how do you do that?
1: Well, actually, I didn't mind it. Em, you you read Babies of the Rose, there's a... there's a little, little bit have, of shaggy. It's in, a beautiful
2: book and, and edgy but edgy. Yeah, there's a bit of sex and it's done well. Like your main character Grace, I just loved her so much because she was
0: Flawed as all good characters should be, I think. But yeah, you did. It, you just did it very lyrically. Like it was. I'm sure you were thinking that Grace was having sex when you were reading the book. You weren't thinking Justin was writing Grace having sex, were you? No, I was immersed in the characters,
2: and I think yeah. that. Mm. Think think that, and I'm the same. I don't necessarily like with sex scenes when I'm reading them. If they're really grow, if they're really too full on, I'm like
0: not. Nah. But if it's done, just really. Um, but then if it's really basic then I'm going to think oh no now Emily and Justin and Matthew are going to think I'm basic <laughs> when I'm having sex like what however I write it I'm going to Kate. think it's a reflection on me yeah Gee, yeah.
1: I I I, em, I don't know about you but I'm looking forward to Michelle exactly first sex, I can't wait uh, oh, for
0: Justin it's going to be like out there man it's going to be because I'm just going to think this is a reflection <laughs> on me and I want everyone to see We'll have to amp it up amp up the yeah. uh, amp up the yeah.
2: dial but yeah I um, mean that's something I've thought of writing, actually. I mean, I, I think have a lot of crime, like crime stuff, or or like tension and thrillers. But they're always sexy
0: books, Emily. They're always sexy. I know they've got to. Have, you've got to have a bit of fri- what's the word? Fresh, fresh Yeah, frisson. Justin, what, do you, what How frisson? did you go about it? And how many times did you rewrite it? And how much time did you put into the sex? Scene? Oh,
1: gee, that's a good question. Um, I I didn't. It was. Um, I don't think there's any. Uh, anyone answer that sounding odd but I liked it Mm. I liked it and and uh I didn't I didn't I liked it and I didn't seem to I didn't seem to struggle with it and uh as much as I and look I didn't say I'm going to write a sex scene here um you know i think we need sex martin scorsese talks about a director and i can't remember the director's name but he said the director would look on the page of a screenplay and if there wasn't nudity or sex in every five pages he'd <laughs> right. send it back and say listen can you spice that up for me a little bit you know <laughs> they d- he just deliberately put in sex and you know boobs and bums everywhere he possibly could just because he thought that that's how you needed to make a movie i, I think I, for me i i'm trying to remember the mindset i was in at the time i think i just I just felt that that's what they needed to do at the time. And then I put it in there. So I can't. I love it. I love your relaxed attitude. I love
0: it. Love it. I'm just very, you know, Mm. obviously I've already, I haven't even thought of a book and I'm already worried about the sex scene, Justin. I mean, that just gives you an indication of, you know, (laughs) where I'm at. I feel like it's going to be really good though,
2: because you're going to be thinking so much about it. It's going to be very, very good. I, um, yeah, I love it when, you know, when you see a movie you're about to put on, it goes, This film mm. contains, you know, scenes of drug use, sex, yes. nudity. Yes. And I'm like, Yeah. Nudity. Um, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, and you go
0: it might start with a sex scene. I mean, has that ever happened before?
1: Look, if 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 my if the films I watch don't start with that, <laughs> I, I go, hang on a sec.
0: My kids my kids, you know, in primary school, they tell them to have a sizzling start. You know oh, when they're writing
1: stories? You need to start off with something like, you know, his chest was heaving and uh, it was a hot night and, and, you know, that's all you need remember and, you're, when the, and, you're, and you're, you know, you're off.
2: Remember when the old Mills and Boons and stuff and the, um, you know, the the euphemisms I'd use for the, uh, uh, you know, the reproductive yeah. organs, you know, the the steel yes. sword oh, yes. or, I don't know, something bizarre like, you know, steely sword and, <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yes,
1: Michelle, are you getting are you getting this down? I am. Yelling? You're writing this. To-
0: Everything's yes. always throbbing, pulsing, that. And throbbing. Everything's um, always throbbing. Yeah. But yeah, it's.
2: Um, yes. I don't know. It's. It's well. I think anything that's got. Yes you know, tension and horror and particularly, I mean, with this first episode of Chapel Wait, I mean, it's got, like that started very intensely like with some full-on violence and then you've got, mm, and I feel there's definitely going to be romance coming up as well um, mm. with it. But, yeah, I just remember thinking at the start of that, I said, Jesus, this is bloody full-on and it's sort of. Oh, has...
0: yeah. I um, mean, how's the cast? Brody. Oh, Adrian, Adrian Brody. Brody.
1: Mm.
2: All the brooding looks of Adrian Brody and Chapel Peter. So he's he's just you can't keep your eyes off him.
1: See, listen, you're already halfway through writing a sex scene here. You're so right. I'm I'm having a
0: sex scene actually as she's talking about Adrian Brody. <laughs> yeah. Brody's
2: brooding look, uh,
0: Adrian. <laughs> Yes, you're right, Justin. Adrian Brody inspo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Adrian Brody. You just
1: need a muse. That's all you need in this world is you just need a muse sometimes and you're away.
0: Yes. I mean, look, Stephen King has certainly informed our collective consciousness, hasn't he, with regard to the way this genre works. There's all of these sort of cues that we just understand aren't there and, yeah. and he's invented a lot of them
1: look he has i think he has he's he really has he's written the rule book on on horror that is horrifying as opposed to horror f- that is just going to splatter blood on the on the curtains i mean and you know what i was saying before is i just uh, he has written the rule book for making sure the humanity is always at the center of these things
0: We're very excited for this one. The brand new horror series, Chapel is now streaming only on Stan. You can start your 30-day free trial today at stan.com.au.
2: Thanks to our guest, Justin Smith, author of Babies of the Rose. Thanks for listening.
0: This has been
1: another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network.